Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970 sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. Vanessa, hello. Today's episode is, I think, an iconic episode, actually, about a barbecue. So I want to ask you if you have any memories associated <laughs> with barbecue, because I know nowadays you're not really a meat eater, but I want to know if, like, in the past you have any nostalgia for good old-fashioned barbecue. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a vegetarian, and I have been for quite a few years now, but if there's one thing that I miss about eating meat, it is barbecue. Like, any type of barbecue, I am here for it. Like, I don't miss chicken too much. Don't miss red meat. Give me pork. Like, I am all for it. I am here. And every time my family makes barbecue spare ribs, I get very jealous <laughs> because there is no good meat alternative for ribs. And ugh. Just thinking about it now, I'm like, oh, I want ribs so bad. So that's my experience with barbecue. <laughs> this episode is maybe the greatest hype man for ribs that I've ever seen in my life. I've never wanted ribs <laughs> more than after watching this episode. My mom makes really good ribs, but she'll only do it like once a year because, you know, you got to prepare those suckers and you got to get them ready. But man, a good rack of ribs quality product i love barbecue food that always reminds me of summer too mm -hmm. uh, and i just like the summer it's always a good time i eat meat but i'm not like devoted to meat like the way <laughs> some people are i i just enjoy a good hot dog and a good rib and a good hamburger if that counts as it. barbecue i guess it depends on the day if the uh, hamburgers are barbecue or not <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say my mom also makes really great ribs, so that makes it even more devastating for me. Um, and some people will be like, why don't you just eat the ribs, Vanessa? Because it will make my stomach die, everyone. Just mm -hmm. so everyone knows, it will upset my stomach for days on end. So as much as I want to, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, Vanessa's not an ethical vegan or vegetarian. It is more <laughs> dietary restrictions from what mm -hmm. I understand. <laughs> Yes, Which is yes. so fun. By fun, <laughs> I mean like the worst thing in the world. The worst thing in the world, but that's fine. That's fine. But this episode made me really want some barbecue. Yeah, boy, let's get into it. So in this episode, Adam's ribs after a no, 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 of no. You are wrong here, sir. It's Adam's rib. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like the like the Eve. Yes, <laughs> like Adam and Eve. Um, but. In this episode, Adam's rib, after a stint of 11 days of the same food, Hawkeye hyperfixates on getting some barbecue spare ribs from a seemingly random place in Chicago, but hits several roadblocks along the way to get his coveted ribs. Vanessa, I think it's fair to say that this episode is iconic, so what do you think about this one? <laughs> you are right to say it's iconic. I think this is iconic in several different ways. Just the episode in general, certain parts of it. Just this is such a good episode. I sometimes wonder why the MASH fandom kind of clings on to certain episodes. But this one, I get it because it's so cult favorite mm -hmm. type of thing. There's nothing really groundbreaking about this episode. It's like a very like run-of-the-mill episode of MASH, right? It, like objectively. But it's so much fun, this episode. It's so funny. It's like such a good time that it makes so much sense why everyone loves this episode so much. Yeah. 
Uh, I follow the MASH subreddit, as I've talked about a few times before, and on that Reddit, there is just a meme about this episode where people will just kind of say Adam's ribs with no context, and they'll post, like, pictures with, like, edited photos writing in Adam's ribs, and it's like, (laughs) I never understand what that means, and honestly, I still don't, but that's, like, my favorite thing about niche TV fandom when just some people will take one thing that they like a lot and then just run it into the ground, basically, like around other people in this community. I, it's just so <laughs> fun to see. And watching this episode is like, I don't understand, but also I'm glad that someone else find so much enjoyment in this one (laughs) phrase to just make a million posts about it i also follow the mash fandom subreddit i don't typically go on it too much but i really i would love to see all of like the adam's ribs memes that you're talking about so i may have to go on it after we record today (laughs) i'm sure you can find some uh, shout out to the Mash Reddit. One day I will promote the <laughs> show on there, but I'm just afraid of posting on Reddit. <laughs> so to get into this episode a little bit more, um, to the meat of the episode, if you will, ha <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I liked how it started off and it just kind of immediately dived into plot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was established that they were kind of going through this board period and that they were really sick of eating the same fish and liver for lunch every day. And I like when the episode kind of just goes right into what the main plot is going to be from the very beginning. That's always very fun for me. Yeah, this scene, like I said, iconic. I haven't even seen the scene like reposted anywhere, but I feel like if people are compiling like top 250 episodes of just general TV of all time, I think this scene alone puts this episode somewhere on that list. I feel like if you're trying to represent the funny, lighthearted side of what MASH is, like, this scene is that. Because Hawkeye wants something else. That's all he wants. He doesn't (laughs) want the same food. That's all he wants. He wants something different. And the verboseness and the command of the crowd that he has in this moment was amazing. Just how he (laughs) riles up the entire mess tent to try and get something else. And like he goes onto like the pole that the tent is like anchored onto, jumps on the table, takes a bite of like some sandwich, like a feral (laughs) animal. It was so fun to watch. It had this amazing energy to it. Yeah, this scene, I do believe, is like an iconic MASH scene. When MASH is like having a marathon somewhere or, you know, you're doing like a 50th anniversary of MASH or whatever, and there is any kind of compilation, this scene is always in it of just Hawkeye screaming, we want something else, we want something else, because I feel like it captures the chaos of this show so well, especially in the first couple of seasons of just like, this isn't your normal army unit. This is a crazy army unit. (laughs) And this just really encapsulates that kind of what the writers were doing with the show, I think, in that way. (laughs) And yeah, I love this scene. Um, I also loved how everyone was kind of like playing along in this scene too. It must have been so fun to shoot like Klinger started moving along to Hawkeye's movements while he was doing (laughs) 
<laughs> he was doing kind of a dance and Klinger was like doing the dance with him. The cooks were also, you know, started banging with this very scared look on their face because Hawkeye was just straight up losing it. It was very, just very fun. Very good. And within that, within the chaos of this mess hall riot, more or less, I love that Radar just kept eating the food. Even (laughs) while screaming, we want more, we want more, in between words, he was shoveling food into his mouth. And I'm like, (laughs) that is iconic Radar right there. This feels so just what MASH is to me personally. (laughs) I love that Radar liking the terrible food that they have to eat is carried throughout the series because <laughs> um, I think we've seen it before, you know, and he says like, oh, my taste buds are tone deaf or whatever he says in this scene. But yeah, just something about Radar just shoving more food into his mouth while he's like simultaneously agreeing like we don't want this anymore, but also I'm going to keep eating it. Very good. <laughs> He's a growing boy, okay? He needs his nutrients. (laughs) So I also liked this next scene, too, where Henry was just like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) What's happening? And he's like, what's happening? I want spare ribs. (laughs) How he comes to the conclusion that he wants spare ribs is also funny. I forget what exactly was said to him, but like Henry makes a comment being like, oh, doesn't that tickle your ribs or whatever? And it just (laughs) unlocks this need in Hawkeye's brain of like, oh my God, one time in Chicago, I went to this rib place and it was (laughs) heaven on earth. Hawkeye's kind of a madman in this one. He's kind of, you can tell that he is feeling a lot of feelings like a lot of desperation and a lot of like (laughs) pent up anxiety I guess over food but maybe other things as well Mm -hmm. but I love how he needs to focus his intense energy somewhere and he's chosen to just get the camp some ribs I think that's such a fun goal for this episode I love the questy episodes of the show, like the one Mm -hmm. where they get, uh, like an incubator is the similar vibe where they just have to kind of figure out how to get something. I think it's really fun. But that one, the incubator one, that's obviously more high stakes that has more Mm -hmm. of like an actual drive to it. But I think it's so much more fun that there is no stakes here at all. They just want different (laughs) food. No one's going to die if they don't get these ribs. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what makes the episode so good is that it is like a quest and you feel the desperation from Hawkeye. He's like kind of losing his mind almost a little bit here (laughs) over these ribs. It's very funny. But yeah, no, I think that's what makes the episode so good because of that. You feel the desperation too because it made me want ribs. So I can imagine how much Hawkeye wanted those ribs. But I did think it was funny in this scene. This was super quick. This has like kind of nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Did you notice that when Hawkeye realizes he is like, oh, ribs, that's what I want. That's what I really, really want. Trapper is in the background laughing and choking on his drink. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see that. That's amazing. I'm going to have to rewatch this one. This is one of the ones where I'm like, yep, this is going to be in my regular rotation of TV to watch. I'm sure there's so much stuff like that, you know? I'm <laughs> sure there's there's all these background details that are just fun to see. Yeah, after having watched, just in general, after having watched this show so many times all the way through, 
I've been like looking at those smaller background details, you know, because I know the overarching plot of the episode for the most part. It is just like really fun to see those like really small like mess up moments. Like I always notice when the actors are like actually trying not to laugh and stuff like that. So that's always fun. That's an aside. But (laughs) can we talk about for a quick second how good old Frank and Margaret are not in this episode at all? What do you think about that? I was actually going to bring that up. I was I was wondering when we were going to get to this topic. But usually and I know I've said this before, I like when the whole cast is like utilized in some way, even if it's very small ways. I usually like when the cast like it's a full cast episode. This worked for me that they weren't there because Margaret and Frank are usually like the foils to Hawkeye and Trapper's plans, right? And Hawkeye and Trapper in this episode already had to climb uphill to get this uh these ribs. So I feel like the addition of Frank and Margaret like kind of being other weird roadblocks for that would have kind of taken away from the episode because what are they going to do be like ribs aren't army regulated you can't have those it just like wouldn't i mean it would make sense for them but it just like is dumb for the episode because there was already so much working against them to getting these ribs in the first place yeah it's a good case of knowing what you need to use in an episode like obviously i'm sure larry linville and loretta swit are a bit sad that they didn't work in this one you know when they're making it (laughs) but I don't think that they were necessary for the plot of this episode because they're Mm -hmm. not even doing anything like outside of the normal regulatory manner of the army base. I mean, I guess kind of they are. They're calling Chicago to get ribs. That's not exactly protocol. But like, (laughs) what can Frank really do? Just say, no, don't do that. Like, he's not gonna, he doesn't really have an effect here. And I kind of view it as Hawkeye being so singularly focused on the ribs that maybe Frank and Margaret were around, but because he's like hyper fixated, he's just blocking them out. Like this episode is all from (laughs) Hawkeye's perspective. They just don't exist in his little world today. That's a very good point. Yeah, I thought of more of it like because last episode, Henry was giving a talk on hemorrhoids. I was like, well, maybe Frank's also giving a talk on hemorrhoids and Margaret's like helping him out. Who knows? Who who knows where they are? (laughs) So much hemorrhoid talk in the military these days. (laughs) But how does it come? He has, like, a psychedelic dream of, like, I need to get ribs. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this was very strange. This is a very, like, strange way to move the plot forward. But Hawkeye just, like, wakes up in the middle of the night. He's like, I need those ribs. And then they he wakes up Radar to make this call to Chicago. And I really, I also enjoyed this scene a lot, too, because there's some meta aspects of this scene. It's very funny. Um, How so? How is this meta? (laughs) (laughs) So Hawkeye, um, he knows that this rib place is by the Dearborn Street Chicago train station or something along those lines, right? So he calls up the train station and he asks the person at the train station, hey, get me the rib place across the street. Like, I need to know their name. I need their number, this and the other thing, whatever. So the guy's giving him a hard time, right? And Hawkeye says, oh, I'm a journalist running a story. (laughs) What's your name? And the guy says his last name is Resnick. And Resnick in Czech means butcher. (laughs) 
And I thought that that was so funny to include. That's a wild, that is my favorite kind of naming convention where, (laughs) like, that is just a a last name people have. But I love when you're in this, like, IMDb trivia mode of, like, well, actually, the name Resnick means this and is associated with... It's always, like, fun to me when there is that much consideration put into the writing Mm -hmm. that this very throwaway detail of this guy's last name ties into the greater want of this episode subliminally, (laughs) I guess. You know, no one really is going to pick up on that unless they're checked, you know? Yeah, it is very funny to me that this just all culminated like i feel what works for me so well in this episode is how much it builds off of itself like there is more and more and more and more and this is kind of just the ground level of like what hawkeye has to do to get these ribs so like i said he was spinning this story of that he was a reporter to get the you know person at the train station to do what he wanted him to do and i loved how into it radar was getting as well he was like Mm -hmm. writing down the guy's name and stuff like that wanted to get the spelling right and hawkeye's like i'm literally making this up right now like stop i love just how much conviction and energy Hawkeye had for his quest to ribs, like even the getting <laughs> out of bed in the middle of the night thing to just yeah. zombie walk to get ribs. And then his absolute like masterclass acting skills of like, you know, he spins this whole web of why these ribs are important. He gives this whole soliloquy to Radar, like, explaining the amazingness of these ribs and how they are (laughs) nirvana and how they are better than than sex and, like, all this weird stuff. Like, it's so funny to me, the passion of this. And then when they actually get onto the rib place and, like, places this insane multi-pound order with a gallon of (laughs) barbecue sauce. I was like, this is a man on a mission and he will stop at nothing to get these ribs. Yeah, and I don't know if it was... uh, I think it was when they were on the phone with the guy from Adam's ribs and he was placing the order and he's like, come on, I'm trying to reach my family and I'm gonna die. <laughs> like, dude, why, right. what? <laughs> right, no. He wanted these ribs so bad that he was willing to fake die. <laughs> His story to these men, which I'm sure they would have accepted, hey, I'm in a mash unit in Korea and, like, I want food. Like, that is, you're, <laughs> you're talking to someone in the military. You're not gonna be like, well, that's stupid. You don't need the extra layers of, Please, sir, can I have some more uh, sob story to it? But he even says, like, yeah, we're having a big party. My mother just got out for roll. <laughs> like, just the most insane, inconsistent story I think he's ever told. But he's telling it with such conviction. It's so fun to watch. And you just, like, you really feel the energy with this one. And you cannot help but, like, root for him with just how grand this quest for food is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that, like you said, it's so low stakes, but it feels so high stakes because of the energy that Hawkeye is bringing to it, like how much he really wants it makes it high stakes so that's a it it's really fun i loved this i loved him placing the order with like the 40 pounds of ribs like that's insane a gallon of barbecue sauce and the fact that he forgot coleslaw Ugh, just terrible i don't eat coleslaw i think it's gross but what what 
Oh my god, no, I love coleslaw. This is like groundbreaking to me. I can't believe that people I know that people hate coleslaw, but I don't understand how. And then it comes back later in the episode, the fact that they yeah. coleslaw. And I thought that was like amazing. Like what what a way to tie it all together. But unless we have more to say about this one scene uh where he orders ribs, which first of all, I was like, okay, you place the order. And they don't have anyone to pick it up, and they're in Korea. How long does this rib place hold orders for? It feels like it was several <laughs> days before they figured out how to get it. Yeah, I feel like because it was in the middle of the night. I feel like by the next morning, Hawkeye had like concocted this plan, right? And he had a checklist for the plan. Like, okay, I ordered the ribs. We're gonna find somebody to go get them, pay for them, ship them, <laughs> and then we'll pick them up. And I also kind of really liked how that came about. Um, we like this whole episode. Let's just say it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because every scene is pretty good. Every scene, I'm like, yeah, I really liked this scene. But I thought it was funny in this scene where Hawkeye is kind of like, okay, we're here. Now we have to do this step, this step, this step, and then we'll get the ribs. And Trapper said, hey, you're never going to get these ribs. Like, yeah, you ordered them, but you're never going to get them. And I really thought that that was this interesting differentiating between Hawkeye and Trapper's character. Because if you remember in Ceasefire, Trapper was like really skeptical about the war ending. And then here he's also really skeptical about these ribs. And I feel like it's Hawkeye being this really like idealistic willing to dream big and make these impossibilities just like come true by any means necessary and trapper is kind of more grounded in reality or like kind of pessimistic and is like this is not gonna happen but if you can make it happen i'll come along with you oh that is true wow i've never thought about how consistent that is right because trapper is generally the more pessimistic one Mm -hmm. but i don't tend to think about that like the few things that I have like criticism wise for these two characters is that sometimes it does feel like they are, they are the same man with two different heads, you know, Mm -hmm. but you're right. There is a real contrast with how they view these like more fantastical things. The trapper is usually the one who is like, nah, that's, that's not going to happen. You're not (laughs) going to get your ribs. There's not going to be a ceasefire even way, way, way back. The episode where, for some reason, Trapper lost a patient and he, like, thought about killing a guy, um, Mm -hmm. like, or at least stopping his, like, medical liquid IV, that would never happen with Hawkeye. I feel like Hawkeye would never have that, that moral quandary of, like, oh, do I do this? So there is this, like, underlying darkness, I think, to Trapper that you don't tend to think about until these little moments of pessimism from him. Yeah, I think that it's very subtle, but the differences between the two are there. And you won't really see them, I guess, unless you're really kind of looking for them, I guess, like we are, but you can see them. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm, uh, this is obviously the future, but I am excited to really compare and contrast trapper with bj i want to know how different bj is to trapper because i have no idea i've never seen a single episode with him so it'll be really fun for me if there's more darkness in uh bj's character if there if he is more of like a light-hearted guy i'm i'm excited to see that i can't wait for you to meet him i think you're gonna like his character a lot i hope so but to get back to this scene the main conflict at this point is, okay, who's picking up these ribs? 
And before we go on from that, did you catch the um the like assault joke that was in there that I just did not like at all? No. Uh, what assault joke? When Hawkeye said, "What did he say?" It was de- it was such like a oh god, it was such a terrible joke where he was like, "Flight attendants love me" or something, and I thanked her by not like screaming when she forced herself on me. I was like, "Oh god, right, this was right. a, this was going to be a perfect episode. Why did this have to happen?" <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, this episode is so dense with a million and one Hawkeye jokes that that one, it registered, but it was so quick that you're like, okay, moving on. They did move past it pretty quickly, and I was like, ugh, I'm just, I mean, again, not that that really, like, took away from the enjoyment of this episode for me, but I was very, like, it stuck out to me. I was like, ugh, that was not fond of that for sure, (laughs) And then afterwards, it kind of just like it, it was jarring to me just because it like didn't make sense with the rest of the scene. You know what I mean? Because afterwards it was like, OK, back to these ribs. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny because Clinger comes back in and he's like, my uncle will kill someone for you, but also yeah. he'll pick up the ribs. <laughs> yeah, I guess this has a streak of dark jokes in it, but <laughs> I I enjoy Clinger's murderous uncle more so than (laughs) (laughs) more so than the flight attendant thing. Uh, Clinger's uncle, everything about uh, everything that was said, how he's like, oh, for a hundred dollars, he'll do anything. He'll kill a man. He'll kill me. He'll kill you. He'll kill like (laughs) (laughs) he just apparently has like a mafioso uncle just hanging out in Chicago (gasps) ready to murder. And then (laughs) when (laughs) when Hawkeye is like, well, can he pick us up some ribs? Clinger's like, well, it'll cost you. Hawkeye responds, well, he doesn't have to kill anybody. Then Clinger's just like, oh, well, he'll do it for free then. (laughs) Clinger was like, yeah, sure, he'll do it for free, but you have to sign my Section 8. And then immediately (laughs) when they were like, we can't do that, Clinger was like, no ribs then. And they're back to square one. And it was very funny. And I was wondering about this. So in the beginning of the episode, when... Henry is yelling at Hawkeye for starting this like riot in the mess tent. He says, you know, I'm from Illinois. Like I was born there, whatever. Yeah, of course I know the, you know, Dearborn Street station in Chicago. And I was thinking, why didn't they just ask Henry if he knew anybody in Chicago to do this? And I was wondering, (laughs) maybe they're not asking Henry for favors right now because he was so mad at them in the beginning. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe. I didn't even think about that. I was so along the ride with Hawkeye with how he kind of devises this plan. It is that kind of tunnel vision thing, right? Like maybe they just didn't think about it. It's that kind of thing where in real life, just the answer is always in your face and you just never think about it because you're so one track minded where I'm sure that Mr. Henry does have some family or whatever in Chicago but because they're not thinking of Henry right now, they're like, no, nah, that's not an option. That that cannot be. <laughs> yeah, that kind of lends to your theory about like, yeah, Frank and Margaret were probably around. But Hawkeye was just so tunnel vision of these ribs. He's just like, how are we going to find somebody in Chicago who's going to get these ribs the easiest way possible? How? <laughs> and then I love how they actually do it is that yeah. <laughs> Trapper remembers a a one-night stand that was not a one-night stand with a random woman named like what was her name it was it was like an old name mildred 
And then Hawkeye, like, looks to Radar, and they just have this look of absolute joy on their face, because you know what that means, that, uh, good old Trapper might have an in with this woman who he hasn't seen in years. (laughs) (laughs) That also felt very, like, mashed to me about this. Like, of course, these guys are gonna use, like, an old sexual fling to get what they want. Like, that's just, like, so in character for these guys to be like, hmm, oh, yeah, I hooked up with somebody there. I can ask her for a favor. It's just, just very Trapper and Hawkeye. <laughs> and it's, like, revealing that they've always been these kind of, you know, dogs hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, so they end up calling this girl and she agrees to, you know, get the ribs for them and pack them up and chip them off and stuff like that. But did you notice, so I thought that this was really interesting, both times when they're on the phone with somebody back in the state, the people that they're talking to are like, Korea? Huh? What are you talking about? War? What? And they're essentially like oblivious to this war that's going on. And it just made me remember <laughs> the Korean War was considered for so long like the Forgotten War. Yeah. And it just was kind of like, it was pretty interesting to think that, you know, at least for like a segment of the population back in America at this time period. You know, people were, like, kind of doing the happy-go-lucky, like, 1950s, like, you leave it to Beaver, dad knows best, stuff like that. And we're kind of almost unaware of the war going on. I don't think the writers meant to really, like, put that in there with these scenes. But I did think that it just, like, kind of sparked that in my mind of, like, highlighting how forgotten the Forgotten War kind of was. Yeah, um, it goes back to, I think, and I don't know what the timeline is, but it was considered a police action before Mm -hmm. it was considered a war. And you've talked about that before in trivia and everything. Um, So I don't know the timeline of where we're supposed to be within the Korean War, but it's funny that I just took the they don't know what Korea is as like a face value joke of like, oh, look how out of touch uh, these guys are when they're over here fighting a war but you're right that it probably is more commentary on the state of the korean war being this like thing that happened that like wasn't a big deal to many americans but for the few that were there is something that is vitally important yeah absolutely yeah Uh, like i said i don't know if the writers really intended for that but It just kind of popped out at me Mm -hmm. that both of these people were like, oh, yeah, that's the place that like Bob Hope goes to. And the one girl that they were talking to just completely was like, what's a war? (laughs) (laughs) What a life to live. Um, You have no idea what a war is. must be bliss. Um, But I I loved I love Trapper putting on the moves to this girl. It was so funny Mm -hmm. to me that apparently. She calls him Big John and like <laughs> Hawkeye and Radar like nice dude. That's a bit like the the like fun kind of broiness of it and how Hawkeye calls in on their phone call to like say, No, I'm not married. It is like regular voice, not even trying to match Trapper was so funny. Just everything about this was like a great use of their their sleazier side to them, right? That they will sleep with anyone and will apparently leverage that to get food to Korea. <laughs> I liked how Radar and Hawkeye were listening in and like you said, Hawkeye just was 
screaming into the phone and like i said like the desperation for these ribs was just so palpable (laughs) the absolute just obsession is like undeniable so funny (laughs) i liked how after so after this scene too you really got a sense of like okay this is like building and building and building like you like first you get the person at the train station then you get the person who is at the store and then you have this girl that trapper knows and okay at this point you're like what's the final issue going to be like there's too much of this left to be like oh yeah they're Mm -hmm. just gonna happily eat ribs by the end of the episode oh my god i knew from like the moment that this quest began that they would not actually get these ribs and part of that annoys me right we'll talk about that at the end yeah yeah Um, yeah (laughs) but i also thought it was so funny how they had to absolutely just lie to everyone and say these are vital medical supplies. (laughs) (laughs) I liked how they got to like the supply station. So it turns out that, you know, the ribs have gotten to Korea. They're packed in, I think like, you know, they're packed in dry ice or whatever, whatever the case is. They're still good, apparently, but they're blocked from getting sent for like some bureaucratic reason, you know, whatever. So Hawkeye and Trapper literally go on the helicopter gurneys that are meant to transport patients to get to the supply station where the ribs are. That's how desperate they were. This was insane. This was like, I'm glad that they did this. It was so funny that they're just like, yep, yep, yep. We're going to get on the side of the helicopter, put like a (laughs) class barrier on ourselves to like slightly strap ourselves in. And we're going to ride our way to Seoul. But any other episode, right? If like, I think this would be the point where somebody like Frank Burns or Margaret Houlihan would come in and be like, look at yourselves. Look at what you're trying to do for (laughs) these ribs. Maybe don't get on a helicopter via the gurneys on the side because that feels dangerous for a living person to be on but they're just like yep we can uh we can get on we can get those ribs and we'll uh fly right back (laughs) i think you're right that at this point it would be like if frank and margaret were in the episode they would be saying to them you know oh you can't you can't do that that's not actually vital medical supplies you can't have that chipped in this that and the other thing and then you know stop them from going and all that kind of stuff of course they'd go anyway <laughs> but i feel like that was like like we said at the top that was just kind of unnecessary for this episode because yeah. it was just <laughs> we already had it <laughs> we already had the conflict <laughs> exactly we want those boys to get their ribs it's like saving private ryan but for ribs they uh they need to get them home (laughs) and then this scene at the what i guess it's like the supply station wherever the supply station is so (laughs) i thought it was really funny anytime hawkeye and trapper have to like weaponize medical knowledge against somebody to get their way like they told this uh supply sergeant hey you're infested here with the plague we're gonna have to shut you down and get you reassigned to somewhere worse for him to be like okay what's in your package why do you need it so bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) they they totally make up like symptoms which completely unethical but also like Come on, man. He's a bureaucrat. You got to do what you got to do to work through that red tape. Um, (laughs) Real quick, though, I do want to shout out the guy right before uh, his boss. I thought 
whoever this man was, I I enjoyed a lot on screen. He had like that nice kind of dull energy that like is a really fun counterpart to the high octane intensity of Hawkeye and Trapper at this point that this guy was just like done with life at the (laughs) moment was really fun to watch. He literally said to them, oh, you think you're really important because you save lives. (laughs) If that doesn't encapsulate (laughs) just like the bureaucracy, I don't know what does. But speaking really of which, funny. this guy is actually like pretty famous. Um, I'm not going to go into him. I kind of recognized him. I'm not going to go into him yet in our trivia section because he actually is in another episode. So we'll oh. be talking about him, just not not yet. That's exciting. Can't wait. I can't wait to find out who this man is because it's like, I know this guy. I don't know where <laughs> I know him from, but I know him. You know him. You know him. So basically, we're essentially at the end of the episode where Hawkeye and Trapper are like, hey, we have 40 pounds of barbecue spare ribs and a gallon of barbecue sauce. And the guy, of course, is from Chicago. (laughs) Technically not Chicago. He's from Illinois. He knows the place. And he's like, hey, I'm not giving you this unless you give me 20 pounds of your ribs and a half gallon of your sauce. And they're like, absolutely not. What are you talking about? So I think they ended up like, you know, bartering him down. Yeah. Of course, he's angry at them for not having the coleslaw. Yeah. You know, the coleslaw thing was so funny. This episode (laughs) is packed with lines, but that might have been my favorite little exchange of you went all the way to Chicago to get ribs to Korea and you didn't get the coleslaw and Hawkeye and Trapper just respond, please forgive us. We're draftees. So funny. (laughs) Like you can't expect anything from us. I love that. Um, I honestly just like leave it to Hawkeye and Trapper to have to then bargain with somebody after putting in so much work to get these ribs. <laughs> they did try to blackmail him with the plague and shutting down his supply depot. Like they kind of deserve a little bit of comeuppance. That's what I'm saying. Of just like it, just of course, <laughs> for mm-hmm. them to like have this one final <laughs> blockade to getting like the end goal like just the holy grail there it is but of course you can't get it i always love when there's that one final thing where it's like you can't have this just yet <laughs> unless you solve my riddle you shall not receive what you <laughs> you desire <laughs> but yeah so it goes from that to this final scene where Hawkeye, Trapper, Radar, and Henry are all alone in the mess tent, which I thought was kind of mean. You got 40 pounds of ribs and you're not sharing them with anyone else (laughs) in the camp, but they're all alone. They're getting ready to dive in. And then, of course, just what would happen? The announcer says that there's wounded coming in and they gotta go. And my boy Hawkeye... After all his quest, after everything he's done, after the demons he slayed, does not get to eat his precious ribs. And part of me is always annoyed by stuff like that. But another part of me is like, no, that is that is how that has to end, you know? <laughs> well, we also don't know if he didn't get to eat his ribs right then and there or if he didn't get to eat them at all like i like to think that this poor man had them wrapped up for him and he ate them later maybe not the best way to eat them but still pretty good (laughs) i hope so he uh 
he clearly needed something, and I hope that those ribs gave him some inner peace for a few days. <laughs> I also really liked the episode kind of came full circle because it started with, oh, this is going to be like their board episode, you know, of there's not many wounded, so they're going to get up to stuff. And of course they did. And then, of course, after a period of time when there's no wounded, there's going to be more wounded. So it kind of just came full circle, and I really enjoyed that. So with the episode concluded, this episode jam-packed with lines, so many lines that I didn't really write many down because I was just enjoying hearing them. But do you have any favorite lines from this episode that we haven't mentioned so far? (laughs) I do. So I actually have... um too many to go through of course i think we said some of them like you said one of (laughs) you said the one about hawkeye saying his mother got out on parole that was really funny to me there was so hawkeye and trapper in the in the swamp and it was after hawkeye ordered the ribs and he's like oh how am i gonna get them how am i gonna get them how am i gonna get them (laughs) trapper says to him you keep this up the squirrels are going to bury your head somewhere and i thought that that was such a clever line of (laughs) hey you're acting nuts (laughs) so many great lines in this one i also loved meanwhile my ribs are sitting there like barbecued orphans (laughs) and then (laughs) in order to get the ribs they mark the medical supplies and Hawkeye has radar, you know, spinning this whole story. He says, tell them that I'm MacArthur's personal physician. And radar goes, MacArthur, wow, I've never been in the stockade before. And it was just delivered so beautifully. (laughs) So good. I have to shout out. I'm only going to do one because, again, these were so rapid fire that for me to enjoy this episode, I had to make some sacrifices and not copy down everything (laughs) I heard. But one of my favorite lines is, of course, a Klinger line, as they tend to be, um, or a line involving Klinger. They ask him if he's from Chicago, and he says no, but I get my lingerie from Chicago. (laughs) And then Trapper responds, oh, and it's beautiful. And everyone looks at him, nice little pause, and he responds, or so I hear. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that one, too. I had that one written down as well. That was so good. I... I always love small stuff like that of just like when there's a pause of like, what are you talking about? (laughs) This episode is so good. Every line I could have wrote down, it would have been like the best line of the season. But I loved when Hawkeye was like, oh, yum, yum, the ribs, the ribs in Henry's office. And Henry was like, he's going to have an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, I've eaten a river of liver and seen a sea of fish I thought was like the most iconic uh, Hawkeye line of the series so far. Like like you were saying with commercials, like I imagine that is like the quote that they put in commercials for MASH on MeTV. <laughs> but anyway, with all that said, do you have any trivia for us? <laughs> okay, so I do. It's a little, uh, it's a little different trivia. Oh, so... that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking up the train station that Hawkeye said Adam's Ribs was across from. So... The Dearborn train station in Chicago actually closed in 1971 before this episode even aired. So funny. Nice time capsule then. Then Then I was looking up restaurants like Adam's Ribs themselves. Oh, somebody Um, has to have Adam's Ribs, right? That's got to be a real restaurant somewhere. (laughs) So apparently Larry Gelbart said, you know, this isn't a real place. It's just like kind of like, you know, 
just made it up in my mind, whatever. It was supposed to be more about Hawkeye needing these ribs rather than it being an actual place. Mm -hmm. But the nice like biblical reference makes it sound more important, right? (laughs) So um, I think it's pronounced size crab house in the Chicago area renamed itself Adam's rib after it's reopening in 2008. But unfortunately, it's closed now. But I looked up several other Adam's rib, not Adam's ribs, Adam's rib after the name of this episode specifically. So these are the places I found. There's an Adam's rib. (laughs) There's an Adam's rib in Delaware, which is also closed. Adam's rib in New York, also closed. Adam's rib in Neptune City, also closed. But I did find an Adam's rib in Norwalk, Connecticut, which is still open. And we could go there today if we really wanted to. Oh, let's take a trip to Connecticut. Put that on once again, or maybe upcoming Patreon, where you'll eat me for the first <laughs> time in like five years. We'll have Adam's <laughs> ribs in Connecticut. That'll be a delight. <laughs> um, if you are in the Norwalk, Connecticut area, please send us Adam's rib pictures. And also if you recommend it. <laughs> Or send us Adam's rib food. You can do that. Uh, I'm sure it's (laughs) easier than sending it to Korea. (laughs) (laughs) So also, when Hawkeye is talking to the train station person on the phone, he said his name is Cranston Lamont, which is a play on the name Lamont Cranston, who is a comic book character. thought that was pretty interesting. That's like Dick Tracy energy, I suppose. (laughs) So unlike Henry's Bloomington, Illinois, which is nowhere near the Chicago area, the supply sergeant says he's from Joliet, uh, which is close to Chicago. And some interesting stuff about Joliet in the Chicago area. Apparently, the supply sergeant pronounced it wrong. It's pronounced (gasps) Joliet, and he says it's Joliet. And there's a law on the books that was implemented in 1890 and is still active as of 2017 that fines a person $5 for not pronouncing the name of the city correctly. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Oh, man, that's like, uh, that's some vindictive nonsense, honestly. Like, if enough people were mispronouncing your town wrong, that you're like, you know what, we're going to implement a fee for people who do. Maybe, I don't know. Your, your town is hard to pronounce. <laughs> it was so funny because when I was looking up trivia for this episode, on the Wikipedia page for this episode, they said, it's a telltale sign that this man was not actually from Joliet. Wow. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of Wikipedia energy when, like, it's clearly written by a guy with, like, weirdly personal stakes in the thing he's writing about. He's like, you need to not be stupid and just do this. It's my favorite kind of Wikipedia energy. (laughs) God, okay. I also have um, a little bit of trivia about uh, Joseph Stern, who played the supply sergeant. I know that he had an actual name, but I forgot to write it down. So I apologize to Joseph Stern's character. (laughs) So... He was born in Los Angeles, California. One of his first paid acting jobs was a role in Joe Papp's public theater in New York City. And Joe Papp is this very, very famous theater man. I don't personally know him, but from his Wikipedia page, he did seem very, very important. Okay. (laughs) He had what I believe is a recurring role in a soap opera, Love is a Many Splendored Thing, which like, what a name that is. (laughs) That is the most soap opera name. And he had several guest roles in shows in the 1970s, including The Rockford Files, Kojak, and Heart to Heart, among several others. 
He also played a small part in movies, including The Irish Whiskey Rebellion and The Lord of Flatbush. He is best known for his producing role in shows like Law and Order, Cagney and Lacey, Judging Amy, Dad, and No Man's Land. And he was also the assistant director for the film Hero at Large, starring John Ritter, who is another MASH alum, if you will recall. Oh my, I love when actors have like weirdly large producing careers. Yeah, right? I think that um, in a link to uh, some sources on this episode with the like the Adam's rib stuff, he's quoted in an article um, talking about this and talking about being a producer. So if anyone wants to check him out a little bit more, it's pretty cool. So Ethan, <laughs> what was your martini rating for this episode? You know what I'm going to say. Like, you can't go through this whole episode with me being like, this is a hilarious, iconic episode. <laughs> And then me say three out of five. Try harder next time. No, this is a <laughs> this is a five out of five for me. This is this is pretty much. I know there's that one joke that like we're not so hot on, but come on, like you you can't ding a whole episode for one joke. This is pretty much an iconic episode of TV. I had a great time watching it and a great time talking about it with you today. So five out of five for me. <laughs> So this is this is a little bit hard for me because like objectively I wanted to say this was like a 4.0 but mm. just in terms of like episode quality I don't know but then you know we talk about it and I'm always really jazzed about the episode afterwards like you know putting that joke aside that you know I didn't like which was not like a huge part of the episode like definitely we've seen worse on this oh, show we've I seen think. much worse <laughs> and there's worse to come but um oh, I no. think <laughs> I think just in general, like my general enjoyment of this and knowing that this is such like an iconic episode, objectively, I do think it's like a four. I would still give it a five out of five, like for me, subjectively. Welcome to the liking stuff, cult. Let's go. <laughs> so just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your about go for me, our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa, for awesome cover art, and of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact with the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 3, Episode 12, A Full Rich Day. But until then, don't forget the coleslaw. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. So you could tell that you wrote the end bit, because I would not say, don't forget the coleslaw. (laughs) 